This is the First Bet Racing Show on HRRN. Elm Drive, white face just behind these runners looking for a spot to run as the field turns for Elm. Kissed by fire, drifts wide but holds the lead. On the outside Graceland Gray and on the inside Honey Pants. Elm Drive is kicking in between rivals. Nadette on the scene late. They're in the final furlong. Elm Drive won from the rail and Honey Pants on the fence. These two go on with it. Elm Drive, Honey Pants. Honey Pants, Elm Drive knows and knows. Honey Pants has won the La Cienegas from Elm Drive. Graceland Gray finished third, and in behind them it was Nadette and Kissed by Fire. Phil D'Amato with the exacta in the La Cienegas. Now here's Bobby Newman and Bob Nastanovich. Good afternoon. Welcome to another edition of the First Bet Racing Show here on the Horse Racing Radio Network. I'm Bobby Newman along with Bob Nastanovich, and we've got live action from Gulfstream Park, Aqueduct, and Fairgrounds on this Thursday afternoon. Bob, that was, of course, the call from Frank Miramati of the Grade 3 La Cienegas this past Sunday at Santa Anita. They ran down the hill. As you heard there in the call, trainer Phil D'Amato having a, a good La Cienegas this year, saddling the first two finishers, Honey Pants and Elm Drive. Yes, Honey Pants, ridden by the great Frankie Dottori, a $40 horse. I believe the horse paid $40.40, and uh, Frankie dropped his stick, but it certainly didn't stop the uh, grim determination of Honey Pants beating her stablemate, uh, Elm Drive and the only graded stakes that we had last week, and I think this weekend we have three to look forward to. Yeah, and it was it was really a, a great decision and a great effort. Uh, a great decision by Frankie DeTore to stay on the inside and a great determination by the Philly Honey Pants to get through and win because that's not usually where you see the winners come from on those down-the-hill sprints at Santa Anita. You, you usually see them closing, swinging wide when they cross the dirt and come into, uh, you know, into the stretch. But Honey Pants stayed down on the inside, and at odds of 19-1, to 1, she was able to get up and beat her heavily fabled stable made elm drive i think phil d'amato actually saddled four of the 12 runners in the race and uh, other news from that race was that wakanaka uh, a mare who uh, we've seen a lot over the last several years and i know both of you and i thought that she had a big chance in the la cienega she didn't run very well the other day kind of a mid-pack fifth or sixth and uh, she's been retired or rather she has been retired since that race yeah, she did a lot in her career, and it's been a while uh, since she showed her best form. Uh, you know, and the, actually, the race she ran in the in the La Cienegas is kind of reminiscent of what she's been doing the last couple of years. She kind of gets going way too late. Uh, she was pretty far back, and she made sort of a uh, uh, yeah, what you'd call a mild rally, and got beat about three or four lengths. But you know, that was one of those races. It was a bunch finish, and it looked like about eight or nine horses on paper could win the race. And I think if they ran it five more times, you'd probably get five different winners. Folks, download the First Bet app on your iPhone or visit first.com forward slash bet to sign up and play the races. Sign up with the promo code BETHRRN, no spaces there, B-E-T-H-R-R-N. You'll receive a $10 free bet plus a 100% deposit match up to $150 on your first deposit within 14 days 
of signing up. Well, Bob, weather has been a big uh, story around the country, not just in racing, but overall really frigid temperatures. We'll talk more about that with some cancellations that have happened uh, over the last week or so and some more that are coming up in a few days. But one place we don't have to worry about frigid temperatures this time of year is in South Florida, and that's where we're going to go first, and that's to Gulfstream Park, ninth and final race on the Thursday card. They're in the paddock getting ready to head to the track. It says five minutes to post. I would think if they ran, they couldn't get to the starting gate uh, in five minutes from now, so we have at least five minutes, I would say, for the ninth and final at Gulfstream. 77 degrees right now here in South Florida. Some cloudy skies, and they're on the synthetic track for race number nine. Uh, maiden event here. These are four-year-olds and up in for a $25,000 tag. We have a field of 10 gathering in this race, and currently the favorite on the board is number 10, He's a lucky guy. He's a lucky guy for Safi Joseph Jr. and Irad Ortiz. This one was claimed away from Terry Car- K- trainer Kerry Bryan, who does not have a huge win percentage. I think only winning about 8% of the races uh, since the beginning of 2023. Goes to Safi Joseph, who wins over 23% of the time and does very well off the claim. You add that, you add Irad Ortiz Jr., Blinkers coming off, Lasix going on. Everything they could do to make this a different situation for number 10. He's a lucky guy, and the betting public is said, that's enough for us, 9-5 to five as they go onto the track. Yeah, I kind of liked he's a lucky guy on December 7th. That really is a key race here. Uh, several of the uh, key contenders in the uh, in the Gulfstream finale ran in that race. It was a one-mile turf race, uh, in fact, and... Uh, you know, um, he's a lucky guy. Carrie Bryan, she is America's leading steeplechase trainer. She's a very good trainer. Uh, and I I, I kind of liked he's a lucky guy in that race December 7th. It was 6-1 to one under Edgar Zayas. Claimed for 40000 and drops down to twenty five for Safi Joseph uh, first time. Uh, but a lot of stats in his favor. For, uh, blinkers off, he's, he's uh, 22% um, over the last... A uh, few months. Um, first off the claim, he's a 25% trainer. I, Rad, and Safi, when they hook up, are 20%. Very steady work pattern <clears throat> in the recent weeks leading up to this race. Uh, yeah, I mean, 10 hole uh, is that you give it, you know, sort of have your you have reservations about that. But at the end of the day, um, if you like, he's a lucky guy. You can have him at that price. He's just too short. I mean, it's hard to bet, bet against him. But there's two horses in here: Joint Resolution, the three, uh, and Barry the Builder, the four. They're, they both um, are what you call chronic trouble horses. They seem to find trouble in their races. And watching the first race on December December seventh, they came out of a race won by Hari, won by a head from Joint Resolution with Barry the Builder a length back and uh, fourth. Uh, Barry the Builder just got eliminated at the start. I mean, knocked sideways, basically lost six to eight lengths at the start of the race. Um, When he got clear, he made a nice rally under Irad. Uh, Luis Saez, of course, very capable, takes over for Mike Maker today. Um, Horse ought to run a bad race, but if you look at his last five races, he's gotten into trouble every single time. And uh, Joint Resolution, who's a five-year-old Ridgling, by declaration of war, ran a huge race uh, and really had plenty of trouble under uh, Vincent Chaminot for uh, Christophe Clement. So you get the French connections here. 
Uh, it was checked at the six and a half. I really like the way joint resolution rallied in there. And I think if he can improve a little bit, and he's a very consistent horse, I think he'd be the selection in here. But I can't argue with anybody that uh, uh, def- is into he's a lucky guy with all the stats in his favor. Now, the interesting note about this race is all three of the ones that you discussed uh, are horses that are proven on turf. They're either trying uh, synthetic for the first time today or maybe just trying anything other than turf uh, for the first time, or they haven't run in synthetic in quite some time. Uh, one that has been running on the synthetic track at Gulfstream is number nine, Noble Tiger, who was 12 to one on the morning line. He's 25 to one, the longest shot on the board, but he is the top choice according to the first bet AI. And my guess is because he has recent form that's pretty decent on the synthetic surface. Is this Noble Tiger you're talking about? It is. Oh yeah, okay. Yeah, Noble Tiger. Um, yeah, like you said, that was a nice race on the on the uh, synth. So you know, synth experience. Um, the last four races, a couple of really nice runs in there, and has tactical speed. Uh, I think the reason why you're getting such an inflated price from a twelve to one uh, morning line is that uh, Joe Catanese, the trainers, is having a very quiet meet. He's one for twenty three, and and John Rivera is is a is a very capable bug rider. Is three for fifty four, but you know this, of course, is the big meet at Gulfstream, and uh, you know the, those guys. Instead of their horses being five to one, they're often going off at prices like this. Uh, if uh, you know, again, a lot of those efforts for Noble Tiger came against Maiden, claiming twelve five, which is the bottom at Gulfstream Park. Uh, so it's notable. I think you know he's facing a lot of really class, classy uh, turf horses in here, and I think. Uh, at least a few of them will will take to the synth just fine. That usually is the pattern that a solid turf horse will be able to transfer that form. All right, horses are making their way toward the point where they cross over from the dirt onto the synthetic surface. I'm wondering, and I don't have a Gulfstream condition book in front of me. I know we can find it. If you go on to Equibase, you can find the condition books for basically every racetrack uh, on Equibase, one of uh, several very good uh, sources that they've had on that site for many, many years. But I'm wondering what the bottom is as far as class level for turf races that they write at Gulfstream during this quote-unquote championship meet. Uh, and, And my guess is that they don't write anything under maybe something like maiden optional 40 and what that usually is is it's open maiden open 40 and if you're florida bred that you can run under special weight uh conditions you're not in for the claiming tag otherwise it wouldn't make much sense if they if they wrote maiden 25s maiden 20s maiden 16s during this time of year at gulfstream on the turf then i think the three main horses that you mentioned, number three, Joint Resolution, the four, Barry the Builder, and number 10, He's a Lucky Guy, would probably all be in a turf race. But my guess is they're trying to conserve the turf. And is listen, for a lack of a way of better saying it, uh, of saying it better, uh, not waste the turf course on the cheaper horses during this time of year. Yeah, I can see your point there, but in their condition book for February that I'm looking at right now, they have plenty of uh, maiden claiming twenty-five thousand dollar route races on the on the turf for both three-year-olds and three and up uh you know which basically you know this is a synth race um you know as we've mentioned several times at this point uh, so there are options at, at this level on the turf uh but like you said 
um, you know, they, they easily could be switched over to the synth for whatever reason based on the condition of the turf course. We've seen that many times before, too. Right. They, they don't have to worry about that right now. It hasn't uh, had serious wa- rainfall here in Florida in at least a few days. So uh, this race is not one of those off the turf onto the synth races. This race scheduled for the synthetic track, and they are arriving at the gate for the ninth and final at Gulfstream right now. By the way, over at Aqueduct, uh, horses are in the paddock getting ready to come out for the eighth and final race on their card. Not quite 77 degrees, by the way, at Aqueduct today. We'll fill you in on that a little bit closer. And we're about uh, 15 minutes away from post time for the sixth over at Fairgrounds. They're running a little bit of late. They've had a few inquiries and delays earlier in the card, so they're a little behind schedule out in New Orleans. But first things first, the ninth and final on the Thursday card at Gulfstream Park. Uh, maiden, three, uh, rather four-year-olds and up, in for a $25,000 tag. Mile and a 16th on the synthetic track, re- field of 10, getting set to load. Two favorites continue to be number three, Joint Resolution, second choice at three to one. And number 10, he's a lucky guy who continues to be right around the seven to five level in the wagering for the team of Safi Joseph Jr. and Irad Ortiz. The always interesting drop-off-the-claim move for Safi Joseph Jr. Claimed this one for 40 last time out, uh, now in for a $25,000 tag. This is a $32,000 purse, so doing the math, if uh, he's a lucky guy, wins. Uh, he's probably going to get... Uh, somewhere around 18,000 for the win. If he gets claimed, that's another 25. We're at 43. That's barely a profit. They'd have to win and get claimed to barely turn a profit uh, with the favorite number 10. He's a lucky guy, so a uh, risky move uh, at best. They're all in. Here's Pete Aiello. And runners away. Not a good start for Noble Tiger. Checked hard to last. Selassie was away the best and tries to clear the inside traffic from Barry the Builder into the top flight. He's a lucky guy is going to get over. In between horses, Stephen B. Good. Assertive attitude is widest of all. Saving ground is Mr. Bryzel to race within four lengths of the lead. He's taken a pretty good grip, too, in front of Joint Resolution. Then down inside, T.O. Tony ahead of Noble Tiger. The early trailer is Please Baby. The early leader is Selassie. Selassie and Edgar Zayas to the backstretch in front to half a length. He's a lucky guy is there. Second, Barry the Builder tucked in. Headstrong on the outside is assertive attitude. And between horses goes Stephen B. Good in front of Mr. Bryzel. He's in the green blinkers after checking early. Three wide is Noble Tiger. Two path joint resolution. Then T.O. Tony and Please Baby at the back. This leader tries to stack them and pack them with four and a half furlongs to run. It went to half and 48 and four. The leader is Selassie, three parts of a length. He's a lucky guy, second assertive attitude, trying to get him to move. On the inside, it's Barry the Builder from between Stephen B. Good. Mr. Bryzel still on the bridle here for Reyes, but no place to go. Starting out wide is Noble Tiger ahead of Joint Resolution, then T.O. Tony, and please, baby. They round the far turn and approach the quarter-mile mark. Selassie working overtime but still in front. He's a lucky guy, not to him yet. Far outside, Noble Tiger. Barry the Builder's got run but no place to prove it yet. Mr. Bryzel's on his back, and they're at the top of the stretch. Who do you like here as they fan across the course? Mr. Bryzel with room at the rail. Down the center, Barry the Builder. These two kick on. Mr. Bryzel with the rail. Barry the Builder on the outside. Mr. Bryzel surging forward now. Barry the Builder right alongside. Barry the Builder, Mr. Bryzel. Here's the wire photo finish. 
Probably Mr. Bryzel on the bob ahead of Barry the Builder and a good one. Selassie's in a show photo in 142 and 4. Pretty tight on the line between number two, Mr. Bryzel, number four, Barry the Builder. Pete seemed to think it was the two, Mr. Bryzel, narrowly getting the win. Two, four, eight, unofficially in the ninth and final at Gulfstream. We'll get you those prices in a little bit. Over at Aqueduct, they're getting close to post time for the eighth and final race on their card where it's 32 degrees and cloudy skies. The track is fast for the eighth and final of the afternoon. These are New York-bred maiden three-year-olds. And uh, they're going a distance of six furlongs, scratch numbers two, four, and ten. Still a field of ten going to post in this spot. First bet AI says, well, you got to look now with those scratches at number seven, Lil Lang for Jose D'Angelo and Romero Mirage, eight to one right now on the board. But the favorite is a first-time starter for Chainer Chad Brown, Bob, number 13, St. Gaudens. Yes, a very well-bred favorite at that. Uh, St. Gaudens is out of Artemis Agritira. Of course, won a couple of grade one stakes as a two-year-old. Uh, St. Gaudens is by Into Mischief, was an expensive purchase by Peter, Prant, Peter Brandt for Chad Brown. Is a half to Chestertown, a very good five-time winner of over $400,000. So the pedigree's there. Plenty to like. Uh, just a shade over two to one at this point. Outside post in a field of 10 might cause some concern. I like the uh, six horse in here, Irish Tenor. Her damn high, also a first-time starter. Her, her damn, uh, his, yeah, uh, sorry, his damn uh, won her debut. Really nice works, including a January 6th bullet for John Kimmel and the champion Turkish jockey Gokum Kokakaya, who's over here riding at Aqueduct. So nice big fat price of uh, like a little over eight to one nine to one on irish tenor a son of hard spun love those uh first time out so uh, irish tenor is kind of a strong push all right hard spun out of a medallia d'oro mare sounds like probably bred to run two turns eventually but running six furlongs in his debut today last few going in number seven lil lang who showed speed before getting tired in his lone start hoping to improve with that race under his belt toward the outside palace boss moving in coming off a nondescript effort in his debut albeit against state bred stakes competition facing maidens today and the favorite St. Gaudens to the outside gate. Here's Chris Griffin. In between horses here, shoved along is Fratellino trying to get up towards the front. Also moving forward in between horses comes Irish Tenor. And outside of that is Little Lang and Last Drink. It's going to be Last Drink now to press on and Last Drink with Allied Attack. They're going to be the top two. Little Lang has now moved in between horses, is now secured third as they start to spread out. Irish Tenor is in the fourth position, going to save ground to the inside as Jansen starts to lose some ground, is now back to fifth. Drifting out wider, St. Gaudens is now trying to make a move here, really stacked up with Solo Empire. Just had to tap on the brakes, and from the back trying to run on there is Palace Boss, also right there with this time, yes. As they are approaching the quarter pole, and up front, it's Allied Attack. Allied Attack went 23.54 for the opening quarter mile. Scrubbed along here is a little Lang, who's now hard-pressed here toward the inside. Out wider, here comes Irish Tenor with the run, but Allied Attack is trying to give Dylan four on the afternoon. Irish Tenor continues to chase, but is still two and a half lengths back as they approach the final furlong. It is Allied Attack. Irish Tenor, they're well clear of the rest. Fratellino is trying to rally on here for a minor share, but Allied Attack, Dylan Davis having a big Thursday afternoon at Allied Attack. Dylan Davis with four on the day. Irish Tenor finishes second. Then came a late run there from the last drink. 
and this time yes. In one minute, 16 flat. Unofficially 9-6-8-5 in the eighth and final at Aqueduct. You heard it there in the call several times, actually. Jockey Dylan Davis uh, with his fourth winner on today's card. This one, the nine allied attack for trainer Mike Maker coming off a nice third-place finish on a muddy track in his most recent start, getting Lasix for the first time today as the these uh, now newly turned three-year-olds are allowed to race with Lasix at Aqueduct, assuming... They're not running uh, in stake races. An allied attack putting it all together this afternoon. Looks like a horse who's improved in each one of his starts. Yeah, you know, last time he did run a good race on over-sealed mud, and he and he stumbled at the break uh, pretty pronouncedly. Uh, made no mistakes today under a red-hot Dylan Davis. Uh, interesting effort by the second-place finisher, a horse I liked a lot, a, a three-year-old gelded son of hard-spun Irish tenor. He really ran in snatches. Uh, the uh, His Turkish rider had to really get after him several times, and he kind of kept on uh, going. But I'd call call that a fairly green effort. I think that if he uh, gets a little bit more professional and, and, and learns something from that experience, he could be a pretty nice horse going forward. And a horse we didn't get a chance to mention there, uh, the last drink, the eight horse in there, um, it shipped in from, from Kentucky for Wesley Ward. Uh, and you know, a pretty nice effort. A very uh, eye-catching, belated rally. A uh, an expensive son of Destin, who was most noted for winning the Tampa Bay Derby a few years ago. Uh, another interesting horse. But those horses were really stretched out all the way uh, down the stretch. So pretty a vast uh, difference in talent between the first and last. There's some real uh, horses look like they're really kind of struggling with the main track at Aqueduct. I'll tell you what, Nate, whether you knew ahead of time that. Gokun Kokakaya was the rider on the six Irish tenor or not. When you're watching riders who are at one point or for the most part were based in either Europe or Asia coming to ride here in the States, there's a different look to the way they ride. And I don't know what it is. It, it must be that uh, things are taught differently. Maybe the riders who grew up here in the States or in North America or even uh, went to the school down in Panama, places like that, it seems like they ride uh, a little bit lower and a little bit more tight-reined than the riders who learned and or are based in Europe or Asia who seem to sit up in the saddle a little bit more. And it, and it, almost, it almost looks like their arms are flailing away with the reins. I know it's not like that, but it's easy to tell just looking at riders, who's a rider that has been here in the States a long time and who's one that has not? Yeah, no, a lot of U.S. racing fans, quite frankly, look that, think they look um, inferior and terrible because, like you said, uh, most of the riders that we see um, from Latin America or from, you know, from the United States, they basically try to ride extremely compact. Um, you know, everything's, you know, very, very tight, very, very small. They just kind of look, you know, basically ideally get way down on horseback. They kind of look like a, you know, a little ball sitting on top of the horse. Uh, you know, Frankie Dottori, a guy like that, is, would be sort of the exception of the rule, and you'll see sort of similar from uh, O'Sheen Murphy. They have adopted or uh, kind of, you know, blended um, both styles really effectively. I mean, Frankie doesn't stand out as much as, like, uh, say, for example, Ryan Moore. Um, or somebody like that. I mean, Ryan Moore is so strong. They use their legs more, um, it seems like. It's just more of an all-action sort of a ride. But 
obviously as we've seen for decades now a lot of these international riders are extremely good uh tactically and when they ask a horse to go they get pretty plenty of response all right, so we owe you prices at Gulfstream. We'll get you paid at Aqueduct. That race just went official as well. But first, we need to get over to Fairgrounds for the sixth race on their card. This race begins there, 50-cent pick five this afternoon, 64 degrees in New Orleans right now. It's cloudy conditions. Main track is fast. Turf is firm, and they're on the main track for this upcoming sixth race. Boy, maidens galore. Maidens at, Ma- maidens at Gulfstream, maidens at Aqueduct, and now maidens at Fairgrounds, a maiden special weight uh, of event here for the three-year-old fillies at the distance of a mile and a 16th we've got a field of nine and a heavy favorite here bob and a first-time starter number one pretty anna for steve asmussen and florent Giroux, eight to one on the morning line betting public thinks they know something four to five with two minutes to post well what they might know is this is a this is a half sister to gun runner um, by quality road so obviously one of the most regally bred horses in American racing makes her debut in this spot. She'll face Starina, who's a half-two stallion carpe diem. Uh, also Farrell, another good horse. Uh, Starina is trained by Wayne Catalano, who's really struggling right now. He's 0 for 22 on the meet. Notably the one, uh, the heavy favorite, Pretty Anna. It's a reconnection of Florent Giroux and uh Steve Asmussen, the uh, Gunrunner Connections. Uh, so, yeah, very high-profile debutante. And here, um, I'm going to give the nod to Union Mist. Uh, she galloped out really nicely at the end of her uh, a recent maiden try for Brennan Walsh and um, uh, young rider uh, Jaime Torres is having a great meet. Definitely knocking on the door, really impressed down the lane, had a hard time getting out and finding a seam and really finished strong. So, if Pretty On is not all that, uh, which she very could be, we might be on the verge of seeing a, a future star. Um, I think Union Mist has a big shot. All right, so Union Mist coming off a nice third-place finish last time out. Um, Philly, who finished second in the same race, is just outside of her number eight, Fasta La Vista Baby, and she's actually the top choice according to the first bet AI, but getting no love at all at the windows. Seven to two on the morning line, but a real lobster in the wagering at 12 to 1 as they circle behind the gate. Yeah, it's, it really it comes down to if you watch the replay of that race, um, Fasta La Vista baby had a better trip. Um, you you know, analyzing, you'd say two or three lengths better. And the fact that uh, Union, Smith, Union Mist finally got clear, uh, really uh, closed tenaciously and galloped out like the best horse in the race. I think that would explain the difference in the odds of these horses. They look quite even on paper, but Union Mist visually was more impressive. All right. Well, these maiden fillies have uh, made the turn now, and they are headed to the starting gate for the mile and a 16th starting point. Uh, this race, uh, one of several intriguing races this week out at fairgrounds of course they've got a mega stakes day coming up on saturday bob highlighted by the grade three lecompte also the grade three louisiana stakes is on the bill six stakes and all on saturday at fairgrounds you and i will discuss all of them as part of our weekend stakes preview tomorrow night from 6 to 7 p.m. Eastern time, but most notably that LeCompte, which, of course, is a points qualifier on the road toward this year's Kentucky Derby. And the points going up now, whereas races like the Gun Runner and, and the Smarty Jones and, and other recent 
uh, two and three year old races have been worth 10 points to the winner if uh, he is eligible to get points. Now the winner of the LeCompte gets 20 points. 20 points on itself is not going to be enough to get you into the starting gate the first Saturday in May, but it's going to put you really close, right at that point where, all right, now you might not have to win any more races between now and Derby Day, if you could somehow manage a second or maybe a third or even, depending on the race, a fourth, you might have a chance to get into the starting gate for this year's Kentucky Derby. The Lecompte is the featured race this Saturday at Fairgrounds. Well, uh, these three-year-old fillies, maybe some of them have Kentucky Oaks dreams. First things first, they have to get the first win of their careers, and we'll see who does it here. John Dooley has the call, race six at Fairgrounds. In New Orleans. Start to the pick five where we stand fast and firm at this hour. They're in the gate. And they're off. Now there's Mayuza who strides away. Angel of Faith also with an early bid. And they're joined by Osterville Public who strides up on the outside as they enter the first turn. It's Angel of Faith with Mayuza in the red cap. Seven furlongs to go. And Angel of Faith vying for the lead with Lyuza, who's narrowly in front as they go to the back of the track with Osterville Public a close third while three wide. Mischievousness gets position running in fourth. Union Miss Black with the gold chevrons and the first time starter, Pretty Anna now, making headway with the rail there for the run to the half mile pole. Then it's a break of two more to wide Velvet Kisses with Starina. And while saving ground, Fasta La Vista Baby has dropped back to last. The quarter 23.51 seconds with Brian Hernandez Jr. It's Angel of Faith who dictates the field from a close-up La Yuza. Mischievousness is right there, too. Osterville Public is running in fourth with Pretty Anna making her maiden voyage. She's held up in fifth. Fasta La Vista Baby tight with the rail. Union Mist is racing wide. Six lengths off this leader, Angel of Faith, as they round the far turn, and then Starina and Velvet Kisses has dropped back to be ninth and last. The half-mile, 48.16 seconds. As these three-year-old fillies come toward the quarter pole, it's La Yuza. Lauz is in front. Osterville Public with toward the inside. As they straighten away, Angel of Faith, Mr. Vinicius, has been right there too after three quarters. In one minute 13.86 seconds, it's La Yuza. Angel of Faith, mischievousness looks to be one pace now. Charging on the outside is Union Mist and Pretty Anna. Her charge is toward the inside and she's looking to split Phillies. But as they come past the 16th, La Yuza's raced away with Raylo Gutierrez. It's La Yuza at second asking and La Yuza lands it by four. Mischievousness was second, pretty on a third, and then Union missed and Starina. Unofficially 5-4-1 in the sixth race at Fairgrounds. La Yuza getting the job done at odds of 6-1 to one for the team of Brett Calhoun and Relu Gutierrez. Yeah, I mean, basically speed is a, is a great asset. Always has been on the main track at Fairgrounds. And uh, nice ride by uh, Relu, uh, uh, Basically ran just fine in the unsealed slop, ran an even race December 16th, improved for the uh, route for trainer Brett Calhoun, a daughter of Maximus Mischief out of a candy ride mare, so on pedigree entitled to. But, yeah, aggressive ride uh, for Raylu Bullet Work on January 10th, uh, 5 eighths, and uh, definitely good enough if you're a fan of a pretty Anna or pretty Onnit's ANA the half-to-gun runner by Quality Road. She ran a good race. Um, you know, I think she'll benefit from the experience going forward, and she won't be a maiden for long. Uh, my selection, Union Miss, sort of had a brutal wide trip. Um, if you're a fan of hers, I wouldn't give up yet, but uh, that was disappointing. 
All right, five, four, one, seven, the posted top four finishers in the sixth race at Fairgrounds. We'll get you those prices in a little bit. All right, we're going to catch our breath and take a break. When we come back, we owe you prices at Gulfstream. We owe you prices at Aqueduct. We'll get you paid at Fairgrounds as well. We've got more live racing coming up, and we'll look back at some other great performances from last weekend. This is the First Bet Racing Show on HRRN. It's time to get ready for the 2024 Thoroughbred season at Woodbine Racetrack, the number one turf track in North America. Season runs from April to December with over 62 million in purses with an industry-leading stakes program including two Canadian classics. The Grade 1 Million Dollar Rico Woodbine Mile and the Million Dollar King's Plate. Woodbine offers top safety rated racing and training services plus world-class facilities. Make Woodbine your home turf this season. Learn more at woodbine.com. We have the world at our fingertips. Inspiration in our touch and power in our hands. Our hands. Gentle enough to hold the next generation, yet strong enough to build movements that can change the world. Our hands can build relationships, frame ideas, and empower communities. We have the ability to share and imagine, create and comfort, love and heal the world around us. And it doesn't stop there. Right here, in our hands, we have the power to save a life. If you see a teen or adult suddenly collapse, call 911 and push hard and fast in the center of the chest. The power is in your hands. Anthem Foundation is the proud national supporter of the American Heart Association's hands-only CPR campaign. One in three adults has prediabetes. One in three. That means it could be you, your football buddy, your football buddy, or you, your best man, your worst man, you, your dog walker, your cat jogger. While one in three adults has prediabetes, with early diagnosis, prediabetes can be reversed. Take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its prediabetes awareness partners. Remember the last time your family visited the forest? It's a place of wonder and imagination for the whole family, where stories come to life. And it's closer than you think. Ready to plan your next visit? Make the forest part of your story today at a local park near you. Or find one at discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the United States Forest Service and the Ad Council. Hi, this is Kurt Becker. Join me each week on the Equine Forum as I take you on a stroll through racing history presented by Keeneland. This week, I look back at the racing career of Temperance Hill. Listen live on the Equine Forum every Saturday morning on Sirius 162 or XM207 or visit our website at horseracingradio.net to access the archives and enjoy past editions. It's a stroll through racing history with me, Kurt Becker, presented by Keeneland, only here on HRRN. You're listening to The First Bet Racing Show on the Horse Racing Radio Network. Brickyard Ride will take them to the quarter pole, cruising along with a two-length advantage. 
Moose Mitchell second most of the way. The chosen Braun down at the rail needs to get going from there as Brickyard Ride turns for home with a two-length lead. The chosen Braun now angles out and these two hook up at the eighth pole. Brickyard Ride, the chosen Braun though just ambles up to him and the chosen Braun simply invincible as he will cruise once again. He's now 15 for 20. What an amazing gelding the chosen Braun is. Brickyard Ride second. Geezer finished third. The running time, a crisp 109 flat. Frank Miramati on the call this past Saturday. The Cal Cup Sprint won by the chosen Braun. Heavily bet and just keeps winning and winning and winning. He takes the Cal Cup Sprint this uh, past weekend out at Santa Anita. Welcome back to the First Bed Racing Show here on HRRN. Bobby Newman, Bob Nastanovich, folks. Everyone's favorite special wager is back for 2024, the Coast to Coast Pick 5. Featuring races from Gulfstream Park and Santa Anita, this wager is extra player friendly with a 15% takeout, and it runs every Saturday and Sunday through April 7th. You get 10 times first rewards points on every dollar you bet on the Coast to Coast Pick 5 with first bet. All right, Bob, we owe some prices from, well, everywhere. So we're going to start out at Gulfstream Park, where the ninth and final race on their Thursday afternoon was a tight finish that went to number two, Mr. Brizel, a four-year-old bay colt by Uncle Mo out of the Fleet Alex Mare Miss Drake, owned by P&G Stables, trained by Rodolfo Garcia, Leonel Reyes, the winning rider. Yeah, another horse that was up, you know, sort of near the front the whole race on the synth, uh, Kind of a dawdling pace in there, and uh, Mr. Brazell showed a lot of tenacity there in the final furlong to uh, hold Barry the Builder safe. The two horse paid sixteen sixty to win, eight dollars to place, five twenty to show. Barry the Barry the Builder, a consistent maiden, six forty to place, four sixty to show, and Selassie a long shot, ten sixty to show. The one dollar exact to two four fifty six fifty. The fifty cent try two four eight two hundred sixty four dollars and ninety cents, and the ten cent super two four eight and three for ten cents two hundred four dollars and forty seven cents. Over at Aqueduct, eighth and final race on their Thursday program went to number nine Allied Attack. He's a three year old Bay Colt by Omaha Beach out of the Empire Maker Mare Come Chez Soi. owned by Three Diamonds Farm and trained by Mike Maker with Dylan Davis getting another win today. Huge day for Dylan Davis. He won four. An Allied Attack paid ten eighty to win, five to place, three fifty to show. Uh, interesting uh, uh, debut effort by Irish Tenor, the, the son of Hard Spun. Looks like a potentially talented horse. Paid seven ninety to place, six ten to show, and last drink rallied from far back to pay four thirty to show. The one dollar exact and nine six thirty seven twenty five. The fifty cent try, nine six and eight seventy nine eighty seven, and the ten cent super nine six eight and five two hundred forty dollars and twenty cents. Just before we went to break, we heard the run of the sixth race at Fairgrounds and an impressive score by number five, Liuza. She's a three-year-old Bay Philly by Maximus Mischief out of the Candy Ride Mare, Elusive Candy, owned by Martin Racing Stable and trained by Brett Calhoun. Relu Gutierrez, the winning rider. The outstanding training job by Brett Calhoun here. This is a horse that had one sprint race. Under her belt and definitely improved uh, light years for going a route. 
under Ray Lou paid fifteen sixty to win, six eighty to place, four twenty to show. Very good effort from mischief mischievousness <laughs> from the Michelle Lovell Barn. Uh paid twenty one forty to place, nine dollars to show, and the half to gun runner by quality road, a horse to follow. Pretty Anna paid two eighty to show. The one dollar exact of four a uh, five four. Five four paid hundred and forty five seventy. The fifty cent trifecta five four and one two hundred and forty two dollars and ninety five cents. And the ten cent super five four one seven one hundred and ninety two dollars and ninety cents. Folks, Horse Racing's most player-friendly handicapping tournament, the Pegasus World Cup Betting Championship, is back on Saturday, January 27th. What makes it so great? Well, most importantly, first is seeding the prize pool with $50,000 of their own cash. And of your $6,000 buy-in, $5,000 is your live tournament bankroll, and just $1,000 goes toward prizes. That means more money for you to use to rocket to the top of the leaderboard. At 200 players, you're looking at a $250,000 prize pool. And these prizes themselves stand alone. We're talking huge stacks of cash, plus BCBC seats, NHC seats, and seats to the new and improved Ultimate Betting Challenge. Plus, you can play in the PWCBC online at ExpressBet or on track at Gulfstream Park or Santa Anita. Think you got what it takes? Registration began on the 15th just a few days ago. So head over to PWCBC.com for registration and more information. Bob, that's a whole lot of simoleons up for grabs. If you have a real good day that day at the track, uh, it could be a life changer. Yeah, I'll say, and you'll definitely win a lot of seats. You definitely, be like, you definitely, not only uh, will you, uh, you'll qualify for for so so many uh, handicapping contests. It'll be blinding. You'll hand you'll you'll qualify for other handicapping <laughs> tournaments. Plus, uh, you know, if if there is a quarter million dollar prize pool, you know, up for grabs, uh, you know, let alone whatever the whatever is going to be needed for you to actually win, meaning how much. How many many real dollar winnings you're going to have to have to be on top of the board? I mean, we're we're talking, you know, this could be a, a half million dollar kind of a day. I would think you unquestionably need six figures, and uh, yeah, it sure would be nice around uh, late in the afternoon on that day if you rocketed to the top of the leaderboard. I thought the uh, language in that um, uh, ad was uh, particularly exciting and, and sort of. Uh, presents a mouth-watering challenge to the handicappers out there. I, I was really, have, I was uh, deep, really hoping pockets. that you, you complimented me. You're saying the way you read that was just so <laughs> fantastic. Well, it did impress me the way you read so many initials in there. It seemed like, uh, yeah, it was like A-T-H-B-A, B-C-B-C. I mean, yeah, that was uh, spot on, Bob, very accurate. I'm Listen, I go through it just trying not to foul up. So, uh, but it, it worked. Uh, a horse that so very far, so rarely good. fouls things up these days is the chosen Vron. And as far as Calbreds go, uh, he is at the top of the heap right now. And uh, yes, he is a sprinter, maybe miler at best. But uh, I, I think you'd be hard pressed to find any Calbred uh, over the last uh, few years that's any better than the chosen Vron. He just keeps winning and winning and winning. Uh, I happen to think he was overbet. 
going into the Cal Cup this last weekend uh, as he was five cents on the dollar. Listen, I don't advocate five cents on the dollar for any horse out there, uh, but the chosen Vron just won again, and he won by over two lengths. And listen, they put him in the right spots. He's going to keep winning, and he's proven that he's no slouch against open competition as well. He won the Bing Crosby, I believe, last summer at Del Mar. I think that's high on their priority list once again in 2024, and he really didn't run a bad race against the best sprinters in the world in the Breeders' Cup. Yeah, and the key thing about his Breeders' Cup performance last year when he's beaten like four lengths and finished fifth, uh, it was a it was a really deep group of sprinters last year, and uh, we've talked about how the leaders in that division are now Malibu winner Speedboat Beach. There's a you know a very nice horse uh, that I know you like in the Midwest called Tejano Twist. A lot of the real heavy heads from that division are gone. Will need to be replaced by younger horses and new shooters but the uh the chosen Veron, sort of the king of southern california sprinters these days he's now 15 for 20 lifetime and as you said uh he's beaten open competition on many occasions i thought his performance in the breeders cup last year considering the field was just fine and if it's a more beatable bunch he clearly likes uh, delmar as much as santa anita i think he's uh, 19 of his 20 races are at those two tracks i think he won easily at low sal but uh yeah the son of Voronsky, of course is a danzig sire that uh, Kristen mulhall trained and uh the chosen bronze dam was a really fast horse too she won her f- first uh two races in a very fast time so bred to be fast and they got they got more than they uh, could have uh, dreamed of and that horse just a a total money-making machine and uh, still going strong and and uh, you'd think he'd have a, a pretty good shot in the breeders cup sprint later this year all right, I, I want to keep talking about some of the big races from Santa Anita this past weekend. But before we do, Bob, a little bit of an update from Fairgrounds. It was supposed to start raining around 7 o'clock this evening. Uh, the forecast is incorrect. It is already raining at Fairgrounds, and it's rained enough since the last race was run that the remaining races uh, have been taken off the turf if they were supposed to be on the turf, and the main track is sloppy. So we're sloppy and off the turf for the remainder of the card at fairgrounds, and that affects the upcoming seventh race, which we thought was going to be a mile on a firm turf course, but is now going to be a mile and 70 yards on a sloppy main track, and we have several scratches, scratch numbers 2, 4, 8, and 10. So if you're handicapping out there, Make sure you pay attention. No more turf racing today at fairgrounds. They're off the turf. The main track is sloppy, and it definitely affects the upcoming seventh race, which is about nine or ten minutes away from post time. All right, getting back to uh, what in essentially was Cal Cup Day this past Saturday at Santa Anita. The unusual heat turf classic was the final stake on the afternoon, and it was a race, Bob, where we knew there was going to be a, a solid horse that was favored in Kings River night that both you and I uh, openly thought were not sure wanted to go a mile and an eighth. There was no doubt in our minds that he was the horse to beat. He was the best horse in the field. And if the race is a mile or maybe even a mile and a 16th, he's a tough one not to put on top. But we both tried to beat him uh, in our weekend stakes preview because of the distance question marks. And he was just able to get out in the front of the field, set very moderate fractions, and go wire to wire holding on by a half a length of even money. 
Yeah, really great tactical ride by Juan Hernandez, who, of course, in recent years has emerged as uh, the go-to rider out there, often uh, wins these meets, uh, rides a lot of horses. I think basically you can call him the first call rider in most cases for Bob Baffert. Um, yeah, I mean, he got the horse out of the gate, got, got bumped around a little bit at the start, just completely seized command, very reasonable fractions, 23-3, and 47-3, and three, and, uh, you know, gave him a breather turning for home and, and uh, had plenty left to hold off Carmelita's man, who uh, closed very g- gamely. And, uh, you know, really, Carmelita's man, if, if you're a fan, you did have a little bit of uh, bad racing luck in there, but... Um, all credit to Kings River Knight. He's tough, and he stays a mile and eighth, apparently. Yeah, not the greatest handicapping, apparently, by me, is I liked Carmelita's man and thought there might be enough pace pressure to bother Kings River Knight at least a little bit, and it turned out to be no pace pressure at all. And Carmelita's man was uh, second and only beaten a half a length, but in the end, still second best, not good enough to win the other day in the unusual heat turf classic. Uh, we also saw the Sunshine Millions Philly and Mare turf sprint, which was run down the hill at Santa Anita. And we had two uh, females who were getting heavily bet at the windows. Rose Maddox with Flavian Pratt aboard. Stay and scam with Mario Gutierrez. It was Rose Maddox closing from uh, near the back of the pack. She was about five, six lengths back at the first call. And she just got up in the final stride. Yeah, no, she's really an amazing, uh, you know, a long line of these gray sons or daughters of uh, grays. And, in fact, I think the uh, distaff side, the Phillies and mares, sort of tend to be better. But Nick Alexander uh, owns and breeds a lot of these. Uh, Grayson was his his horse. And uh, Rose, Rose Maddox, I think, was unquestionably a, a horse that you had to like and hear. I couldn't believe she was bet down to six to five, um, but again, uh, this is another race that the betters had right. Um, they were right, but they were right in this case is by a nose from Chancery Way, who was uh, six to one, with another nose back to uh, stay and scam, who looked to me like with her consistency that she'd be the favorite on paper. But uh, all credit to Rose Maddox and, and a, a yet another good uh, top class ride from uh, Flavian Pratt here. I don't want to get too much into it, but I think we saw one of the lowest-rated Cal Cup derbies of all time as well this past Saturday. It didn't look on paper like there were any superstars in the field. I think after now we've seen the race, uh, that's putting it very graciously. Uh, the winner, Mises Express, with Umberto Rispoli aboard, uh, won by a length and a half visually. Just fine, no problem. When you look at the time of the race, though, uh, they went the mile in 140 and one over a fast racetrack and out the mile in a 16th in 146 and three. And to put it, uh, to put it into perspective, Bob, uh, we did see allowance runners sprint six and a half furlongs in 115 and four an hour after that. So uh, we did see uh, the chosen Vron go 109 flat. And maybe what makes it look really, really bad is that in, an hour before the race, we saw $16,000 non winners of three claimers. 16 claimers, non winners of three go a mile in 139 and four. So the conditioned 16 claimers went over a length faster 
than these Cal Cup Derby runners uh, running for a $200,000 purse. Yeah, apparently um, it looked like it on paper, and it is a what you call a weak division. So if you have a California-bred maiden right now with some talent who's a colt or a gelding, uh, you've got a chance to win some stakes money out there because, again, they run plenty of these three-year-old only races on uh, turf and dirt uh, for these horses. A race named after California Chrome, uh, obviously, None of these horses, uh, many of these five, at least right now, could get within 12 lengths of California Chrome. So, uh, again, yeah, it must be exciting to have a pretty talented three-year-old Coulter Gelding if you're a California owner. That that should have been the trivia question of the day. How far behind California Chrome would this winner have been? 14. That's the over-under. We're putting four, <laughs> yeah, 14 yeah. and a quarter as the o, as the uh, OU <laughs> As far as weight, you can't put it just at 14. We don't want any pushes. It's just Who like in, California uh, in, in, in football and basketball, we want the half there. You're going to either win or you're going to lose. We don't want, we don't want to have to re- return any funds for pushes. Uh, yeah, let's fresh be- in my memory, who, ro- who rode California Chrome? I can't remember right now. Didn't Victor Espinosa ride California Chrome? Yeah, I think, yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, I think you're Yep, yeah, certainly was. Yep. Yeah, good job. That's your there, there was a time one, there, one for one, there, and there, there was a time, and that w- that was during the time where it seemed like Victor Espinosa basically rode no horses at all, except like two or three monster grade one horses. Yeah, I mean he still he still has his fair share of high quality mounts, you know, and uh, is hanging in there. Of course, doesn't ride very often, doesn't ride at a particularly high percentage, but. Uh, um, in fact, I like the uh, horse that he rode the other day in the um, in the turf sprint that uh, Rose Maddox won easily, and uh, he's still capable. You know, talented riders won a lot of races. In fact, the first time I ever went to Del Mar, he won six in one day. And I, you, you know, you know, you know who's to... who's uh, for different reasons, but you know who's seemingly like that. We we don't see Mike Smith ride a lot these days. Like if you're you're going to you know, weekday races at Santa Anita or just, uh, you know, middle of the card races. You don't see him quite as often as you used to. But he, every year he ends up with, you know, one, two, three Breeders' Cup-type horses, Kentucky Derby-type horses. You know, he ends up on some real good ones, and obviously he's still very capable if he has the right horse of uh, putting them in the right spot and getting the win. All right, let's get over to the fairgrounds. As I mentioned, the rain came down. It looks like it has stopped, or for the most part stopped now, but unfortunately, the main track has been downgraded to sloppy. We are off the turf, including this upcoming seventh race, which will now be run on the main track at the distance of a mile and 70 yards. Uh, These are maiden three-year-old fillies. Purse here is $52,000. Scratch numbers two four eight and ten so just a field of six left going to post bob and it's number nine ramunzel uh making her second start of her career uh now the eight to five favorite in the wagering yeah i didn't expect this storm either and it's really turned the race upside down i mean uh for one fairgrounds races six seven eight nine which we're covering on the show is all three-year-old only races and and uh, this for the phillies and then the ninth race is is uh, colts on the grass going to turf no longer um sealed slop they got one of their um five minute deluges at uh, fairgrounds has sort of um switched things around entirely 
again, there were some pretty interesting turf horses entered in both. Uh, most of them are gone, including Without Cause, who is my original pick in here. And Alex is interesting. Of course, it's Brad Cox and Florent Giroux, a uh, first-time starter who's a daughter of Catholic boy out of Yes, It's True Mare. Kind of sprinty on the uh, dam side. I didn't really like the horse much on the turf uh, despite a nice series of works but uh, i like the horse here on a wet track and then miss harmonic uh horse trained by grant forster that Corey lannery rides a daughter of nyquist out of a heat seeker mare i like her way better on sealed slops i, I move her up and so do the betters um she's taking some money and uh but yeah and alex will be the uh, lukewarm selection and i think miss harmonic uh, is a nice play underneath as we've talked about several times, uh, Joe Sharp's in incredibly uh, good form and, and continues to be so, and that probably explains the money on the Munnings Philly Remunzel. Yeah, that explains some of it. The fact that her one try on a, uh, was on a sloppy track and it was very, very good after a bad start uh, doesn't hurt. And even though she's by money, she's out of a smart strike mare, so you get kind of a, a mixed signals there as far as breeding goes. Uh, Myself, I tend to think of the Munnings more as sprinters than routers. Not all the time, but most of the time. But on the other side, Smart Strike, I kind of think of them as two-turn-type runners. And uh, obviously, Joe Sharp and his team uh, thinks Ramunza won't have a trouble going two turns because whether this race stayed on the turf or moved to the dirt, it was going to be a two-turn affair over at Fairgrounds. So these maiden three-year-old fillies are arriving at the starting gate for the seventh race. At fairgrounds, once again, uh, the rain came down pretty hard after race six. Uh, races have been taken off the turf for the remainder of the car. The track condition right now is listed as sloppy, and we're down to a field of six after four scratches in this seventh race. Favorite is number nine, Ramunzel, for Joe Sharp and Jaime Torres, and these three-year-old fillies are loading into the starting gate now. Money works beyond beauty. Miss Harmonic, the first three to go in. First-time starter, Aunt Alex, the daughter of Catholic boy, goes into uh, what is turns out to be post-position number four right now. Cora's legacy is coming uh, just to the penultimate stall, and a little bit of a delay as they jog her into the starting gate. No issues there. We're just waiting for the nine Ramunzel, daughter of Munnings, who is a little bit frisky behind the starting gate. She's got her tail tied, as you see a lot of times when these runners run on a wet racetrack. And uh, Ramunzel, uh, a little bit, uh, she's not causing a Yeah, she's skittish. Yeah, she's she's just a, like a little nervous as they get to the gate. She's not she's not stubborn. She's not throwing a fit. She's just not 100% sure. But she does go in with the help of four assistant starters. Here's the call, race seven at Fairgrounds. And they're off. Money works with Beyond Beauty flashing good debut speed. And there's Cora's Legacy, who's racing out toward the front for Jose Guerrero to vie for the lead with Beyond Beauty toward the inside as they enter the first turn. Cora's Legacy leads with Beyond Beauty and toward the inside, Money works. Now on the outside, there's Aunt Alex in her debut, and she's coming up on the front outside. Aunt Alex saving ground is Ramunzel and Miss Harmonic. Trails the sextet in the slop, and out in front, it's Moneyworks. So Moneyworks moves through underneath of Cora's Legacy. The opening quarter, 
23.66 seconds with Relo Gutierrez. It's Moneyworks. So Moneyworks dictates the field. Coors Legacy staying close as they make this run to the half-mile pole. And Alex draws in now from third. Beyond Beauty after breaking sharp in fourth position. Ramunzel fifth on the far outside. Miss Harmonic remains last. It's Moneyworks and Coors Legacy that remain 1-2 with Ant Alex lying in wait. A half mile on this sloppy track in 47.31 seconds as they round the far turn. Coors Legacy back to the front. Coors Legacy leads as Aunt Alex starts her bid at the two and a half. Money Works has lost ground as Ramunzel is gearing up on the outside for Jaime Torres. Ramunzel on the move. Coors Legacy as these maiden three-row fillies turn for home. Then Beyond Beauty, Miss Harmonic on the front outside. Money Works after leading has dropped back to last. It's Coors Legacy after three quarters in one minute 12.87 seconds. They're a furlong away. Coors Legacy out in front as Ramunzel comes with her charge after Coors Legacy and Alex's bid flattens out now toward the inside and third. The Miss Harmonic and Beyond Beauty, they come past the 16th. Ramunzel runs at Coors Legacy. Coors Legacy toward the inside and Ramunzel. Here it is. Coors Legacy. Coors Legacy at the finish. Ramunzel came at the end. Coors Legacy. Ramunzel photo. And Alex finished third. Then Beyond Beauty, Miss Harmonic and Money Works. Final time for the mile is 70 yards on the sloppy main track, 144 and 1. Ended up a pretty tight finish there, Bob, between number 7, Cora's Legacy, and the 9, Ramunzel. They were far apart on the racetrack as Cora's Legacy was in front at the top of the stretch, maybe two, three paths off the fence. Ramunzel drifted way out into about the sixth path, and that's what made it a little bit tough to tell whether or not uh, she got up. It looked to me like Cora's Legacy held on. Yeah, unquestionably, Coors Legacy held on. And Ramunzel really, of course, not only, uh, as you mentioned, when she could be a bit goofy behind the starting gate, she made a right turn coming out of the starting gate. Uh, good effort by Jaime Torres to sort of get her in pretty quickly. Cruised around the first turn in, in the two path. And then uh, he looked like he had dead aim at the top of the stretch. And she did uh, uh, herself no favors, uh, kind of drifting out throughout the uh, – Stretch run probably cost her at least the neck that she lost to uh, Cora's Legacy. And Cora's Legacy, a daughter of Street Sense, um, who flashed speed going a mile and an eighth on the grass on, on December 14th, made no mistakes today, a very professional effort, and uh, dug in nicely under uh, Jose Guerrero. And a uh, good effort for the uh, very busy Shane Wilson barn. About, they've had about 150 starters already this meet. Uh, definitely... Uh, Willing to lead them over, and uh, a nice win for Cora's Legacy. All right, seven nine six three. Now the official order of finish. Cora's Legacy does hold on. I would like to see Ramunzel try the turf. I like Munnings out of a smart strike mare trying the turf. I don't know if uh, she has any siblings that were successful on the turf, but I'm just saying, looking at that breeding alone, I see no reason to think that she can't be as successful, if not even more, trying the turf. And I don't think a distance is going to be her problem. I wonder where Ramunzel will show up next, but she's a filly that has some promise and just uh, a little bit green and cost herself probably the victory uh, with the start and the drifting down the stretch today. Uh, Folks, did you know Verizon is now offering customers a free iPhone 13 or up to $800 to put towards a new 5G phone? This offer is available for all customers, both new and current, with select trade-in and select 5G unlimited plans. 
Verizon's best 5G unlimited plans offer up to $90 per month of value, the most included value in the industry, and include incredible savings and the most popular entertainment like Disney+, Plus, Hulu, ESPN+, Apple Music, and more. So turn in your old 4G device, walk away with a brand new 5G device at your local Verizon store today. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll get you paid at Fairgrounds. We've got more live racing coming up, and we'll look back at some more great racing from last weekend. First Bet Racing Show on HRRN. All over America, people are taking the national radon test. Have you? Excuse me, have you heard of radon? Is that a gas? Is it something that comes up out the ground or something? It's like poison gas. Something dangerous that you're supposed to check on to make sure it's not in your home. Now it's your turn. Answer true or false. Radon is a radioactive gas. True, radon is a radioactive gas. True or false? The Office of the Surgeon General recommends that all homes be tested for radon. True, your home should be tested. I didn't know that, no. True or false, radon is the second leading cause of lung cancer. True. True, I didn't know that. Radon is the second leading cause of lung cancer. Answer true or false. Homes with radon problems can be fixed. True. Homes with radon problems can be fixed. So what do you do about it? I'm going to dial the number and call. 1-800-SOS-RADON. If I don't take care of it, nobody else will. Keep your family safe from radon. Call now. 1-800-SOS-RADON. What is dedication? The thing that drives me every day as a dad is Dariana. We call him uh, Day Day for short. Every day he's hungry for something, whether it's attention, affection, knowledge. And there's this huge responsibility in making sure that when he's no longer under my wing, that he's a good person. I think the advice I would give is you don't need to know all the answers. The craziest thing was believing that your dad knew everything. So as a dad, you felt like you had to know everything. You had to get everything right. It's okay to make mistakes. As long as it's coming from love, then, you know, it kind of starts to work itself out. I want him to be able to sit back one day and go, we worked together, we did a good job. That's dedication. Find out more at fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. We have the world at our fingertips. Inspiration in our touch and power in our hands. Right here in our hands. We have the power to save a life. If you see a teen or adult suddenly collapse, call 911 and push hard and fast in the center of the chest. The power is in your hands. Anthem Foundation is the proud national supporter of the American Heart Association's hands-only CPR campaign. Want to get the latest HRN content directly on your computer or mobile device? Then subscribe to our podcast using the Podbean app or Apple Podcasts. Just go to hrrn.podbean.com on your computer and click follow or download the Podbean app and search HRN. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts and listen to our latest episodes anytime. Don't miss a thing. Subscribe to our podcasts today. You're listening to the First Bet Racing Show on the Horse Racing Radio Network. Bookham Dano going to take the widest route, is gaining up three wide. Just inside of that one, Rathmore's bandit. Bookham Dano is four or five wide now. They wind around that turn, five of them in a line. Bookham Dano up on the far outside in Rathmore. Those two go on best. West Saratoga did not go on. It's still four lengths back as Bookham Dano takes over. Bookham Dano to the top of the stretch. The lead now a length and a half. 
Rathmore back in second. Four more back to West Saratoga. El Principito down the outside, and Bookham Dano takes off for home. Samuel Moran and Bookham Dano by the eighth pole, suddenly in front by five. Ground loss didn't matter today. Bookham Dano running him off their feet in the Pasco. It's going to win this one by double digits. Bookham Dano called 11 or 12 in the end. Second was very close. West Saratoga might have got it over Rathmore after that was El Principito. Track announcer Jason Bean pretty close. The actual margin of victory for Bookham Dano was 12 and a half lengths in this past Saturday's Pasco Stakes at Tampa Bay Downs. Welcome back to the First Bet Racing Show here on HRRN. Bobby Newman, Bob Nastanovich. Folks, the Derby Trail action gets underway this Saturday at the fairgrounds with the Grade 3 LeCompte Stakes, headlined by Stars Nash. Can group among a racing field of eight. The card also includes three other stakes. In fact, the card actually includes five other stakes. All stakes late pick four comes with an extra $5,000 hit and split from first bet where you can win your share of $5,000 in bonus cash and don't forget bob and i will talk about all six of the saturday fairground stakes as part of our weekend stakes preview tomorrow night from 6 to 7 p.m eastern time once again welcome back to the first bet racing show here on hrrn we owe you some prices from the fairgrounds where the seventh race on the card uh late in the game was moved from the turf over to the main track the distance changed from a mile and a mile to a mile and 70 yards and the main track listed sloppy for race number seven, several scratches, and a cl close finish that ended up going to number seven, Cora's Legacy. She's a three-year-old Bay Philly by Street Sense out of the Ghost Zapper Mare Holy Empress, owned by Dawn Robin and Scotty Robin, trained by Shane Wilson, Jose Guerrero, the rider. Yes, Cora's Legacy paid 10.40 to win, 4.80 to play, 3.20 to show. Ramunzel in Ontario bred. I imagine she'll probably be heading up to uh, Woodbine this summer. And, uh, yeah, definitely might be better on the turf or even the synth. Uh, she paid $3 to place, 220 to show. Good debut effort from uh, Aunt Alec. Aunt Alec, she really did nothing wrong. Paid 280 to show. The $1 exact is seven $15.30. 50 cent trifecta, 796, 1960. And the $1 super, 796 and 3, $138.60. At Fairgrounds, uh, they're still showing the photo finish between the top two finishers in the race. Ended up being about a head or so, the margin of victory. And as Bob mentioned before we went to break, uh, the runner up probably had more than a head's worth of difficulty during the race all self-inflicted for number nine Ramunzel who uh, broke to the outside and drifted a little bit in the stretch and only getting beat ahead that's a tough beat uh, when you bet a filly that you probably think was best in the race but second best uh, under the wire and second best officially now in race number seven at fairgrounds we've got about oh I would say 15 minutes or so to post for the upcoming eighth race on the card. And the eighth race does contain Bob's first bet of the day, so we'll make time for that. Right now, though, it's time for the Blood Horse News Update and a look at the top headlines from bloodhorse.com. Well, we alluded to this a little bit earlier in the show, Bob. Turfway cancels January 19th and 20th. Oaklawn canceling January 19th, 20th, and 21st. Due to deteriorating winter weather forecast over the coming days, Turfway Park and Oaklawn Park have canceled upcoming racing programs. 
Turfway has canceled racing January 19th and 20th. Oakland will not race on those dates as well as Sunday the 21st. Turfway does intend to race as scheduled today. The Northern Kentucky track completed a portion of its January 17th card before scrapping the final four races due to cold. That wraps up this afternoon's edition of the Blood Horse News Update. If you're looking for information on any stallion or his progeny, Blood Horse Stallion Register is the industry source for stallion information, including stats, top performers, recent race results, upcoming entries, sales results, and more. It's continuously updated and all found on the Blood Horse website or by going directly to stallionregister.com. And Bob, this is uh, something they're, they're being proactive at both of these tracks instead of waiting till uh, the morning of or when you get close to the time where, you know, some of these runners, uh, you know, may or may not need to be treated with Lasix and things like that. Uh, they're looking at the forecast and saying, listen, this is just ridiculous. Um, it's either going it, it's. For one reason or another, maybe it's going to be completely unsafe, or maybe the track's just going to be frozen in the case of a place like Oaklawn Park. We're not going to take any chances. We're just going to proactively say, listen, we're not doing it. Uh, if we've got stakes lined up for the weekend, uh, we will uh, worry about it then. And this obviously does affect a few stakes, Bob, because uh, both Oaklawn and Turfway did have stakes scheduled for Saturday. Yeah, no, it's a shame, really. But, uh, again, at least in Oaklawn's case, a complete no-brainer. Um, that's in a national park, Oaklawn Park, and uh, you can't treat the racetrack with any type of uh, chemicals or anything you might uh, want to use to thaw the uh, surface. And it's going to be unraceable, unraceable for about five days. I actually have a filly down there training with uh, Casey Schleiss, a filly called Range Life, named after a pavement song. And, uh, yeah, no, it's, it's awful to miss training, but uh, unraceable, unraceable. And, uh, yeah, as, as Bob mentioned, they're, they're not allowed to treat the racetrack at Oaklawn for these freezing conditions. There, there are solutions that other racing jurisdictions can use on their main tracks to prevent the track from freezing. But as Bob mentioned, since Oaklawn Park is in the middle of a national park, in hot springs they are forbidden from using these chemicals needed and it seems like every year there's a day or so where you either have to deal with a cancellation or a threat of a cancellation because of a frozen track at Oakland. I think it including all three days this week this will be four or five already this meet. The days of training because obviously the temperature is at 5 36 in the morning uh you know they call off training which you know as, as a former agent down there could could be music to my ears but uh they do everything they can to get the uh, race meet uh or the race days to go obviously because they take in huge amounts of money and they get huge live crowds and and uh it's you know a very fashionable racetrack this time of year but this week is highly unusual weather for that part of the country. I mean, it was, it was actually below zero here here in Paris, Tennessee recently. It sounds like you're all choked up with the canceling of uh, Turfway and, and Oaklawn this weekend. But uh, fear not, they will make up at least for those stakes, I would assume, uh, in the near future. And uh, it does affect our weekend stakes preview because we were thinking about using both 
the stakes from Turfway and Oaklawn, and uh, we're just going to look at 11 races now as part of our weekend stakes preview tomorrow night from 6 to 7 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, updated fairgrounds, the heavens have opened again, and where it was slightly wow. raining for the seventh race, it is a complete deluge right now as they're in the paddock for the eighth race, so no chance of the track being upgraded to anything but sloppy, I would think, for the remainder of the card, and we'll get to this upcoming eighth race in just a few minutes. Bob, as we came out of our last break, we heard the impressive stretch run of Bookham Dano in uh, crushing the field in the Pasco this past Saturday at Tampa Bay Downs. He covered the seven furlongs in a nice time of 123-1, and one. and trainer Derek Ryan after the race said that Bookham Dano is going to head halfway around the world. He's going to try the Saudi Derby for his next start. Pretty cool. Um, again, uh, an incredibly fast New Jersey bred. This this one, a talented son of Bucaro, a, a horse that uh, started his career and uh, stallion career in Florida, and now has moved to McMahon Thoroughbreds up in uh, Saratoga, where, where he'll stand for seventy five hundred. Uh, included in addition to Bookham Dano, I, I still can see shards closing like a freight train uh, in the Breeders' Cup uh, Juvenile uh, Turf Sprint. Uh, pretty exciting stuff. Bookham Dano's four for five in his life. He's lost one time. That happened in the Nashua on November 5th at Aqueduct, in which he was uh, beaten by a, a Dick Dutro trainee called Wares Chris in an upset. Uh, you know, perhaps he didn't stay the mile. He'll have to prove that he stays that far in the Saudi Derby. But uh, over the years, from what we've seen from that uh, racetrack in Riyadh, it tends to favor uh, speed, and he definitely uh, is a tough horse and a tough horse to uh, reel in. Pretty exciting. Uh, the son of Bucaro would be going over there to uh, rake in the big bucks. Uh, the morning line maker at Tampa Bay Downs got me, uh, lured me into thinking that Bookham Dano was going to be a playable kind of a horse. Uh, I believe he was 3-2 to two on the morning line, and West Saratoga was 9-5 to five on the morning line. I thought Bookham Dano was a standout. It turns, it turns out that everyone uh, thought that Bookham Dano was a standout. He got bet down to the 1-9 to nine favorite at post time and looked like a 1-9 to nine shot coming down the lane. So shame on me in falling for that morning line there. But Bookham Dano far from playable at odds of 1-9, to nine, at least as far as I was concerned. Uh, about an hour earlier in the card, Bob, we saw the Phillies uh, go seven furlongs on the main track in the Gasparilla Stakes. And a Safi Joseph trainee, Mystic Lake, who uh, by way of Woodbine, getting the job done in the Gasparilla. Yeah, no, nice filly. Um, you know, p pretty exciting daughter of Motown here. And uh, the Gasparilla usually tends to be a pretty good race. Um, you know, I guess as, they, as we look forward to the Florida Oaks and the rest of the year. But, you know, she sort of showed her class in the Mazarine at Woodbine, uh, finished third in that race, and went one one better. And uh, as far as we can tell, this year's Gasparilla uh, might not, not might not have been the best renewal. They they went kind of a, a pretty slow time in here, one twenty four and three, and uh, she a kind of outgutted gor uh, gorgeous girl as the four to five favorite. So. Uh, again, possibly not the uh, strongest renewal, but again, uh, usually a race that has a, a significant amount of importance in uh, Tampa. All right, let's get back to the live action today at Fairgrounds. So the rain has slowed up just a little bit, and we can see the riders 
are in the paddock next to the stalls of their respective mounts, although not ready to come out yet. It says five minutes to post. It looks like they're going to be shortened post parades for this race. And just as I say that the uh, horses are coming out uh, into the uh, walking ring, the riders are getting up and the horses are heading onto the track for race number eight. Uh, this is an optional claiming allowance event for three-year-olds that are non-winners of two races lifetime or in for a claiming tag of $100,000. They're sprinting the distance of six furlongs, scratch numbers one and five. We've got a field of six going to post in this race, Bob. Heavy favorite right now on the board is the eight Honky Tonk Highway for Brett Calhoun and Relu Gutierrez. Even money on the board and a standout according to the first bet AI. Yeah, and I think that's because uh, this son of City of Light, out of distorted humor, um, has a delightful wet track pedigree and, more importantly, uh, proved his aplomb uh, on a wet track December 16th. Sealed slop, basically the exact same uh, scenario as here, except over five and a half, and just crushed a group of uh, maidens by nearly seven lengths. Uh, so it looks like opti- optimal conditions. Um, there are some horses here that have gone well in the slop, including Awesome Ruta. Uh, it was a price Jimmy Graham rides. Uh, uh, closed ground nicely at Delta and the Jean Lafitte at a huge price. Finished willingly, so that son of Mendelssohn likes it. Um, I kind of liked, on a fast track, I really like Cats by Five in here. Uh, Cats by Five, uh, he was trained by Steve Asmussen for three chimneys. Uh, he's a son of a son of Audible, who is very expensive. He costs $575,000 as a year, Keeneland yearling, Keeneland September yearling in 2022. And uh, he broke his maiden really nicely October 11th in his third start by seven at uh, Horseshoe, Indiana. And went out to uh, Zia Park and ran in the $100,000 juvenile out there. Ran into his stable mate, American Rascal, who won that race by five and three quarters. And then returned to run a pretty good second behind Legalize here at uh, Fairgrounds. Um, audible out of a bluegrass cat mare. Just fine for a wet track and uh, adds first time LASIK. So on a fast track, I really liked him. But uh, he's, you know, a question mark on a wet track, whereas... Honky Tonk Highway is the proven commodity commodity draws outside. We've already seen trainer, trainer Brett Calhoun win a race on the card impressively. And uh, Ray Lou, you'd have to assume, would uh, try to get this horse on the front, control the pace, and uh, gallop home in the slop. And that's uh, definitely a, always a good move on any type of uh, surface on the main track at fairgrounds. It favors speed and has done for a long time. All right, so if we've learned anything from handicapping you, Bob Nastanovich, it's that if on a random day we just decide to either head out to the fairgrounds or uh, open up our first bet account and, uh, you know, get the past performances for fairgrounds out, not knowing anything from anything, uh, dirt we're looking for speed and turf we're looking for closers? I mean, generally, yeah, now you see a lot of it. Uh... You see a lot of races at fairgrounds on the turf. I mean, it's very exciting uh, where they'll see you be six or seven horses at the eighth pole, all closing ground uh, down the outside. Um, and, you know, you can see superior horses steal races wire to wire. We've already seen that this meet. Um, in fact, that grand old horse that Hugh Robertson trains 
that Jimmy Graham rides. I can't remember his name, the one that won the um, uh, the uh, big race at Arlington a couple of years ago. You know the horse. Yeah. Um, so you can wire a field on the uh, on the turf, but uh, yeah, you tend to get some some deep closers outside on the turf there and. Uh, despite the long stretch on the main track, for some reason they don't usually come back unless the uh, fractions are crazy. And if you can get out early and uh, you know set reasonable fractions, you're hard to reel in at any level on that uh, main track. All right. The horses are making their way toward the starting gate for the eighth race at Fairgrounds. And this race, once again, six furlongs on the sloppy main track. Uh, rain continuing to fall at fairgrounds, but not horrible right now. It was really bad when they were in the uh, paddock, and uh, it looks like the it's going to just kind of be off and on all night. So I guess if you're handicapping the races for tomorrow at fairgrounds, you may want to handicap for some of the same uh, main track and probably off the turf because it doesn't look like, according to the forecast, that this rain is supposed to stop in the next hour or two. They're supposed to go at least uh, for several hours into the night. And it is raining right now, as I mentioned, and they're at the gate now for race number eight. Uh, scratch numbers one and five. Heavy favorite is drawn outside the eight honky-tonk highway coming off that uh, maiden blitz on a sloppy track last time out at five and a half furlongs. That was his first time racing with blinkers, and he put it all together with easily the best start of his career. Drawn outside, but just a field of six. We'll see if he can get out in front of this field and go once again for the same team of Brett Calhoun and Relu Gutierrez. Loading in for this six furlong affair, number six, the Donegal Clan in the easy-to-spot yellow and green blocks of Donegal Racing. This one uh, they paid $240,000 for uh, as a yearling, and so far I've gotten uh, $32,000 of it back, so way to go for the number six, the Donegal Clan, to... Uh, to earn his keep, if you will, and he's a little hesitant going into the starting gate, but uh, with the urging of it looks like every assistant starter, he has decided finally to go in. Uh, the seven awesome Ruta for Joe Foster and James Graham getting back on a sloppy main track. His best race speed figure-wise was the one time he ran on a wet track, so he should enjoy it this afternoon. And honky-tonk highway to the outside, Bob's first bet of the day. Here's John Dooley with the eighth. From off in sprinting, the Donegal clan broke sharp along with Awesome Ruta with an early bend and Hunky Tonk Highway in the white cap is just off them. It's Awesome Ruta. Awesome Ruta and the Donegal clan as they make this run toward the half-mile pole and Alder in the royal blue is right there. It's the Donegal clan. Went to the top for Jaime Torres. Awesome Ruta chases the pace. Hunky Tonk Highway on the outside gains. Then toward the inside is Alder running in fourth while two clear from Triple Trey and on this off-track, Cats by five. Trails in sixth position. The opening quarter for the Donegal Clan. 21.79 seconds. 10 to one target is the Donegal Clan with inside three to go as Alder starts this bid now. Here's Alder who's coming up to engage the Donegal Clan as these three rolls splash for home. It's Alder with the Donegal Clan. Toward the inside is Awesome Ruta. Hunky Tonk Highway on the far outside, fourth. Then toward the inside, Cats by five in triple tray. It's Alder and the Donegal Clan. They're head-to-head, -head, half mile in 44.94. They take this deep into the final furlong. They're together, the Donegal Clan and Alder. Very little in this with Awesome Ruta running a well-clear third. The Donegal Clan determined. Alder battles two. It's the Donegal Clan. The Donegal Clan does it. 
the Donegal clan over Alder. Wassam Ruto finished third in 109.86. Good battle all the way down to the line between a couple of these uh, one-time winners. Number six, the Donegal clan inside. Number two, Alder, the outside. Looked like they were exchanging uh, bumps several times down the lane, Bob. I don't know if one definitely caused it more than the other, but certainly Alder at odds of three to two, second choice in the wagering, had every chance to get on by, but he never did. Yeah, no, uh, uh, the the Donegal clan, first of all, the Donegal clan ran a great race here December 23rd when he was fourth, beaten five and a quarter by Legalize, and the aforementioned uh, American Rascal uh, stepped up from that. Uh, he's by twirling candy out of an Uncle Mo Mare, Mare clearly like the wet track, uh, as did um, Alder. I mean, basically Alder was running alongside the uh, as the second choice, Alder was uh, three to two in Honky Tonk Highway. It was six to five, and they were running alongside each other. And I thought Honky Tonk Highway would kick on coming out of the tour, but Alder found a nice turn of foot and looked all over the winner. But uh, tenacious effort by uh, the Donegal clan, like you said, the head-on angle of this race will be very interesting because uh, Jaime Torres uh, put the uh, Donegal clan to left-handed urging. And uh, who knows? I mean, might have might have caused the uh, bumping, but uh, if so, it definitely discouraged um, Alder. Uh, could again could be a very clean race, but it looked like there definitely would have been some contact from the as far as you could tell from the pan angle. But yeah, great uh, effort by the Donegal clan and uh, Jaime Torres for Donegal's new trainer, Dane Knoll. Well, I don't want to get anyone worried yet because as of now, there's no inquiry or objection sign showing and no numbers are flashing it just lists the unofficial top four finishers as six two seven and eight and the sixth the donegal clan returning toward the winner's circle to get his picture taken so uh we're going to take a break when we come back we will sort out uh either what happened or the prices for the eighth race at fairgrounds give you some more news about what's happened in the world of racing in the last few days this is the first bet racing show on hrrn sniper fire. The fighting was so intense, the medevac chopper was barely able to land. I was given a 5% chance to live. I'm Adam Alexander, and I'm a veteran. Today, I visit classrooms and talk with kids about dealing with life's struggles. I tell them, with a little help and a lot of work, that you can overcome any challenge. EAV helps veterans like Adam get the benefits they've earned. They help more than a million veterans every year in life-changing ways. I know that some struggles are big and some are small, but they're all struggles, and you have to learn to get through them. With support from DAV, more veterans like me can live their best life. And as a new father, I have one more reason to keep on keeping on. My victory is being there for the next generation. Adam Alexander, may your victories inspire many more. Support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. Mr. Rogers said, look for the helpers. You can always find people who are helping. Thank you to all the first responders who put their lives in danger to help us when my brothers and sisters need them. We look out for the helpers because they look out for us. Learn how you can help first responders by texting BRAVE to 24365. Hi, we're the Goo Goo Dolls. 
We're fortunate that we can give our daughters everything they need to grow and learn, but not every child can focus on classes and play dates. Nearly 13 million kids in the U.S. face hunger. That's one in six. School lunch might be their only meal each day, and it's heartbreaking to imagine any child going to bed hungry. We're dreaming of a perfect day when kids can smile, play, and just be kids without worrying about where their next meal will come from. Feeding America is working to make that perfect day a reality. Each year, the Feeding America network of food banks rescues billions of pounds of good food that would have gone to waste. That food is given to families and children in need. Being a kid should be about doing things that make an ordinary day extraordinary. Learning to play an instrument, building a sandcastle, hosting tea parties. Hunger should never be an obstacle to growing up. You can help end childhood hunger in your community by visiting feedingamerica.org. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. HRRN is live online. Go to our website at horseracingradio.net to stream all of our broadcasts live or listen to the show archives anytime. Read our blogs, get the latest news, and see our entire broadcast schedule. It's all there at horseracingradio.net. And follow us on Twitter at HRRN and like our page on Facebook. Search Apple Podcasts for HRRN and download our latest shows. HRRN is home to racing's biggest events. And our home on the web is at horseracingradio.net. Radio.net. You're listening to the First Bet Racing Show on the Horse Racing Radio Network. Magnetin Denomas, Dr. Moore, Blue Stitch next. Falbrav four off the leader, starting to switch through. Rakti's at shadow. Bright Sky keeps it in. Rakti goes to the inside. The runs come. They're four off the leaders. Elegant fashion, the lady goes to self-flit. Now Falbrav, Rakti come through. Dr. Moore, Blue Stitch, Bright Sky behind them. Falbrav and Rakti wind up. This is what it's about. Falbrav sprouts wings at the 150. Away goes a champion. Two lengths in front. Rakti elegant fashion for the liner. What a swan song. Say goodbye to a star. Falbrav by two lengths to Racky, elegant fashion third, Tiger Tail four. That was a fantastic call back 20 years ago, back in 2003 at Sha Tin, the Grade One or Group One Hong Kong Cup, won by Falbrav in the final start of his career. Welcome back to the First Bet Racing Show here on HRRN. Bobby Newman, Bob Nastanovich, and that brings out story that we have for you, and it's a sad story, but it, it you know, it. It's it is what it is. International sensation Falbrav dies in Japan at age 26. Falbrav had been pensioned at Shadai Stallion Station since 2015. Popular international jet setter Falbrav has died at the age of 26, according to reports in Japan. Trained first by Luciana Doria in Italy and then by Luca Kamani in Newmarket, he had the rare distinction of winning eight Group One races in five different countries. He had been pensioned from stallion duties in Japan in 2015 after suffering from some health issues and remained a distinguished guest at Shadai Stallion Station. He is said to have died on Friday morning. Uh, Bob, this is a horse who, you know, we a lot of us know about, but I, I have to admit probably a lot of us forgot about. Uh, Fallbrav was a horse who, for those of us here in this country, uh, many of us got to know him only once, and that's when he ran in the Breeders' Cup turf 
back in 2003, and it was a race that was most known for having a dead heat between High Chaparral and Joe Har, but the horse that they both had to pass in the late stages of the race to get that dead heat win was Falbrav, who crossed the wire third, and he was only like a head or a neck behind those two who dead heated for the win. But uh, aside from that third-place finish here and aside from the Hong Kong Cup that we heard, which was the final race of his career, he won the uh, Group 1 QE2 stakes at, at Ascot earlier in 2003. He won the Judmont International. He also won the Coral Eclipse. Uh, he won the Japan Cup in 2002. I mean, this is a horse that was winning Group 1 races and the biggest Group 1 races seemingly everywhere that he showed up. Overall, 13 wins, 5 seconds, 5 thirds from 26 career starts, and he banked over $5.8 rather million dollars in his career. He, lind- he lived a long life. He was a really, really good racehorse. Yeah, no international superstar, and and uh, really his optimal distance was ten furlongs. He he loved ten furlongs on lightning fast firm turf, and uh, again was very uh, just a a peak of summer horse. He just loved fast ground, and in uh, the when he ran the Breeders' Cup, it was really an admirable effort because you know although I think you know he won over a mile and a half, he hardly ever tried it. Um, in fact, he won a race in June of 2002 at San Siro. He won the Premio de Milano in Italy, in Milan. And, you know, that's not a uh, a top-class Group 1 race. It's, you know, it's an Italian Group 1 is not is basically the equivalent of a listed stakes or a Group 3 in the U.K. or Ireland or France. Um, so, yeah, it was probably too much of an ask at Santa Anita, but he ran a great race, uh, um, October 25th of uh, of uh, 2023. Uh, again, a legend. Uh, definition of a globe trotter. Beautifully campaigned by Luca Kumani for the biggest chunk of his uh, career, and uh, just uh, really cool. But at the same time, living to the age of 26 for a horse is um, is a grand uh, grand life. He was a you know pretty successful stallion as well, and. Uh, um, you know, it's it's great to uh, take the time to uh, pay tribute to a great horse. You know, I, I hate to admit this, but uh, I didn't know much about Fall Brav when he ran in the Breeders' Cup turf uh, a little over 20 years ago. I do remember he was ridden by somebody that I was completely unfamiliar with uh, in Daryl Holland. Yeah, the Dazzler. Yeah, no, Daryl Holland, was he trains now actually in Newmarket, um, Kind of a hot shot rider. He was a, a very good uh, rider at this you know, for several years in his career, and then he kind of outgrew his job. And uh, now does he not only train fairly successfully in Newmarket, but he also um, breaks a lot of uh, yearlings and uh, very shrewd operator. Um, and uh, he was he was a you know top shelf rider there for about six years. When you say he outgrew his job, are you saying that in the way like I outgrow some of the clothing that I have? Well, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that, uh, that's exactly what I'm saying. You, and uh, fortunately, you can outgrow your job. Uh, understood. I, I, can you're, always, you're I can always, I say. can always, if I put it forth the necessary effort, which is uh, one thing, you know, wanting to do it and actually doing it is two different things. I can get back into some of that clothing. Um, some of it I can't get back into. There's no chance. Um, but, but, but he can't get back into, uh, he, he got too big. I mean, I kind of think of you, first of all, as a as a 
uh, track announcer first and um uh, from what I know, the track announcers that um, I know of, uh, you're on the small side for your job, uh, Bob. So you've got uh, plenty of room to grow. Yeah, I, in in a race, I have a chance to medal, and that doesn't say much about the competition. <laughs> yeah, let's um, make sure that there's a there's a um, a deep a defibrillator nearby if there's a. If this, yeah, uh, it better be fruition. it better be a short. It, it, you know what? It's got to be the same kind of race. Like when they have the uh, the dachshunds, the wiener dog challenge, that kind of I you know about twenty five uh, yards. That's about it. That's yes. going to be uh, and there should be somebody <laughs> waiting for me to catch me at the other end, similar to in those wiener dogs. <laughs> um, speaking of jockeys outgrowing, the first time I ever do you remember the jockey Mike McCarthy, who's different than the oh, yeah. trainer Michael McCarthy? Although the yeah. jockey Mike McCarthy did go into training. For a little bit, I don't think he still does anymore. And and I'm I'm not talking about the gentleman. He was a Pletcher assistant, I think too. I think he was a Todd um, Pletcher assistant, didn't wasn't he? I I don't think so. But Mike McCarthy, who was a rider like in the Mid Atlantic and Delaware Park and places sure. like that for many many years, and he was he was one of the top riders. And the first time I met him, I think he looked like he was about six feet tall. He probably isn't six feet tall, but you know he was taller than what you expect for a thoroughbred jockey and you know obviously still able to make whatever weight they were making so you know he looked like basically a a a a 10 mile an hour wind would blow him over although i'm sure he's a strong guy if he was uh, a professional rider but when i met him for the first time i looked i said this guy's bigger than me not bigger but you know taller than me how is this guy not only is how is he a rider but how is he such a good rider because he won a whole you-know-what full of races. Oh, I mean, Perry Compton was the same way in the Midwest. I mean, he had to have been 5'10 and just a total string bean and rode for decades um, and very effectively. Uh, sort of an amazing guy. And, uh, you know, again, it's so uh, so admirable because it's so difficult because these guys don't really eat. Um, and if they do, they, um, you know, it's – generally an unfortunate set of circumstances of what they do with what they've eaten. So, uh, you know, yeah, it's a tough job. You know, these days, a lot of these guys um, have nutritionists and, you know, they are uh, finely honed um, athletes. And, yeah, the standards have changed uh, looking after the uh, general health of uh, jockeys, but they really needed to. Um, It was pretty primitive um, for a long time. So, yeah, unfortunately you get a lot of these superstar teenagers I mean, Stevie Cawthon, he basically outgrew his job in terms of being an American rider, and that's why he went to Europe to ply his trade. Uh, by the time he was 20, he was kind of too big to, to, you know, make to tack 115 or 118, you know, sort of everyday weights in this country. So he went to Europe where you can ride a little bit bigger and was able to become, you know, a champion rider in the U.K. and, and elsewhere. Um but, yeah, no, it is a thing. You get a lot of really talented 16-year-old kids who've been on horses since they were six. And, unfortunately, by the time they're 21, they're supposed to weigh 160 pounds. I can't remember the last time I weighed 160 pounds. Well, get out your middle school yearbook. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going with I'm, – I'm taking the over on that, too. Uh, let's get the prices out for the eighth race at Fairgrounds for number six. The Donegal clan got the hard-fought win. There was no inquiry. There was no objection, even though it looked like the top two came together at least once or twice during the stretch run. Obviously, uh, the stewards thought that there was no reason, not only no reason for a change, but no reason to even put the inquiry sign up. And number six, the Donegal clan gets the win, a three-year-old Bay Colt by Twirling Candy out of the Uncle Mo Mare Aunt Jen, owned by Donegal Racing, trained by Dane Noel, Jaime Torres, the rider. Yeah, I watched the head-on replay of this race, and there really was no need for an inquiry, perhaps until the last two jumps. And the last two or three jumps of the race, and again, it's a head-on, so you can't really tell exactly where the wire is. The Donegal clan sort of definitely... Uh, ducked out a bit and bothered Alder. So if they had take a, taken a longer look at it, I think the result unquestionably would have stayed. And look, let's face it, the Donegal clan deserved it again. Ran fourth in the Sugar Bowl and uh, definitely franked that form today with a huge effort. Uh, the Donegal clan paid twenty-two eighty to win, $5 to place, Three twenty to show, and Alder looked the winner for Brad Cox and Florent Giroux. Flattened out a little bit, I think, just got outgutted. Really good effort from him. Three twenty to place, two sixty to show, and awesome Ruta again proved her affinity for a wet track. Whereas the uh, nearly odds-on favorite went off six to five. Honky Tonk Highway uh, did not prove might, might have proved that that uh, huge maiden win was a bit of a fluke. Awesome Ruta. The seven paid four twenty to show. The one dollar exactus six two paid thirty nine even. The fifty cent trifecta six two seven, one hundred fifty seven dollars and thirty five cents. And the ten cent super six two seven eight sixty five dollars fifty five cents. Folks, twenty twenty four is starting off with another installment of the first bet twenty thousand dollars sweepstakes series. Earn entries for every wager you make from January 1st through January 31st to win a $1,000 betting voucher. You get bonus entries on weekdays and on first tracks. Ten runner-up winners get $500 betting voucher. Another 103rd prize winners get $100 betting vouchers. You can't win if you don't opt in, so load up your first bet account and start wagering. All right, we're going to take our final break. When we come back, we're going to head out to Fairgrounds for their ninth race. Horses coming on the track about five minutes away from post time. First bet racing show on HRRN. It's time to get ready for the 2024 Thoroughbred season at Woodbine Racetrack, the number one turf track in North America. Season runs from April to December with over 62 million in purses with an industry-leading stakes program, including two Canadian classics. The Grade 1 Million Dollar Rico Woodbine Mile and the Million Dollar King's Plate. Woodbine offers top safety rated racing and training services, plus world-class facilities. Make Woodbine your home turf this season. Learn more at woodbine.com. Did you know that when you make time to talk, read, or sing with your child, you're helping to shape and strengthen their brains for the years to come? As a father, helping my child thrive is the most important thing to me. Each of us has the power to create a strong start for our children and to help them enter school ready to learn and succeed in life, starting from the day they are born. Visit TalkingIsTeaching.org for free tips, resources, and ideas on how to transform everyday moments into magical moments for learning. Chris Domine is a husband and a father. Chris is an athlete. Chris is even an Iron Man. But 10 years ago, Chris was facing a very different story. 
because his kidneys were failing. Basically, the doctor said, if you don't get a kidney transplant and if you don't do dialysis, you, you are going to die. Fortunately, Chris received a second chance at life, made possible by an organ donor. You know, your well-being changes from loss of hope to hope to better times ahead. More than 100 million people in America are registered organ, eye, and tissue donors. People of every age and ethnicity because they believe it's the right thing to do. Imagine what you can make possible by leaving behind the gift of life. Learn more and sign up as an organ, eye, and tissue donor. Go to organdonor.gov. A message from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Health Resources and Services Administration. Trainer Talk, presented by Phasing Tipton. Please join me in welcoming Hall of Fame trainer Todd Fletcher. Hall of Fame trainer Nick Zito on Trainer Talk. Welcome Hall of Famer Bob Baffert to the program. Hall of Fame trainer Shug McGahee, nice enough to spend some time with us. Hall of Fame trainer Bill Mott here on Trainer Talk. Dual Hall of Fame trainer Mark Cassie. Trainer Talk, the biggest names in horse racing. Wednesdays, 6 to 7 p.m. Eastern. Sirius 162, XM 207, and streaming live at horseracingradio.net. You're listening to The First Bet Racing Show on the Horse Racing Radio Network. 112 flat for three quarters of a mile. Jin Jin now gets the cue, is going to go into the two pass, and here comes Jin Jin, and Trevor McCarthy sees the same. And Jin Jin is fully in pursuit of the runaway leader. Princess Mayfair has got to gut it out, but Jin Jin is right up alongside. Too far back right now, Shimmering Allure, most of all, is down to these two in a stretch battle. Up for long left to go, and Jin Jin trying to put it away. It's Jin Jin now opening up here by a length and a half. Jinjin's got the lead. Princess Mayfair's run a big race, a 16th to go. Jinjin up by a full length, and Jinjin, Trev McCarthy, they win the Busanda. Princess Mayfair, a very good second, then Shimmering Allure, and most of all, in 1 minute 53.31. Welcome back. Final segment on today's edition of the First Bet Racing Show here on HRRN. Bobby Newman, Bob Nastanovich, as we head toward our call-in show, which starts about 13 minutes from now. James Scully back in the co-pilot seat, joining me as he normally does on Thursday evenings from 6 to 7 p.m. to take your calls and talk about whatever you'd like in the world of thoroughbred racing. And everyone who calls in tonight gets a free 2024 racing calendar. We'll get you that phone number, oh, about 10 minutes from now. Bob, they're uh, almost at the gate for the ninth race that we're at the fairgrounds, our final live race this afternoon, but not the final race at fairgrounds. They've got a 10-race card today. Race nine off the turf, now a distance of a mile and 70 yards. The main track is sloppy. Several scratches in here, scratch numbers three, four, five, and seven. Uh, several of them vying for favoritism right now. The two getting most of the play at this point. Number eight, Sweet Sunshine, and the nine, Finley's Magic. Yeah, again, a race that most of us probably handicapped for the turf. Uh, in that case, my selection, the three Lady of Power was scratched. Unfortunately, um, there's not a, these are three-year-old fillies. Um, you know, not a lot of experience in here, and certainly not a lot of wet track experience. So you're going on pedigrees and workouts. Um, the 11-horse lock it up, a three-year-old filly by Liam Smap, trained by Joe Sharp, first-time starter. Uh, she's been working right along. She does show a uh, some bullets and uh, nice work in the slop. Uh, but I'll give the nod here to the uh, Steve Asmussen train, our pretty woman, owned by Cortland Farms. They they dipped in and paid $900,000 for this stylishly bred daughter of Medaya Joro out of a good Spatestown mare called Dazzletown. 
And uh, that bullet, uh, December 28th, four furlongs and 47 from the gate is a very fast work for the Asmussen barn. His usually don't work that quickly at all. They're not asked for that much in the morning and are pretty woman. Again, another hot maiden from the Asmussen barn. Uh, so whereas uh, Pretty Anna was a little disappointment, maybe uh, our pretty woman in the last can make amends for uh, Asmussen. And a little bit of a better price as well as the three-year-old fillies begin the loading process for race number one, nine. Once again, this race off the turf, now on the sloppy main track with a distance change to a mile and 70 yards. Just waiting for a couple of first-time starters in the outside two gates, the 10 Steffs Coast for Scott Gellner and Kylie Wellington. Kylie Wellington off to a pretty nice start at this fairgrounds meet. Uh, she began her career at Prairie Meadows last summer and is off to winning at about 10% clip from very limited starters thus far at fairgrounds. The 11 lock it up a Joe Sharp Jaime Torres presentation coming to the outside gate. She goes in for the final time today. Here's John Dooley on the call at fairgrounds. And they're off to an even start. And toward the inside, Martinez Joy. There's Steph's Coast in the yellow cap going out toward the front. And our pretty woman is close. They enter the first turn. It's Martinez Joy who just leads out. Seven furlongs to run. Martinez Joy has the pace to lead the race from a close-up. Steph's Coast as these maiden three-year-old fillies go to the back of this stopping fairgrounds track with our pretty woman between fillies. Coffee Crisp holds the rail, and on the outside is Finley's Magic running in fifth. Then it's a break of two to lock it up and toward the inside, Sweet Sunshine. The opening quarter, 23.27 seconds with Emmanuel Nieves. It's Martinez Joy. So Martinez Joy, the pilot to a half mile from home, from a close-up, our pretty woman. Coffee Crisp holds that position with the rail. Steph's Coast is running a wide fourth. And then, between horses, Finley's Magic has the black cap, Sweet Sunshine with the rail, and now well back to the newcomer, lock it up in seventh, the half mile in 46.93. They round the far turn with three furlongs to go, and to reel in Martinez Joy. Our Pretty Woman stays close as they make this run toward the quarter pole. Martinez Joy, Our Pretty Woman. Nearest the inside is Coffee Crisp, with Finley's Magic now gaining between Phillies. Steph's Coast has raced wide and is in fifth. Then Sweet Sunshine and lock it up. They come for home. It's Martinez Joy after three quarters in one minute 12.41 seconds. Martinez Joy in the final furlong and a half with Our Pretty Woman. Coming with us, charge for Corey Bannery and on past. It's Our Pretty Woman in front of Martinez Joy. And then Finley's Magic with on the the outside, Sweet Sunshine. Finley's Magic is now fourth. They're close to home. The Dodoro Medaglia Doro. It's Our Pretty Woman. Our Pretty Woman, one by three for Martinez Joy. Sweet Sunshine, third. And Finley's Magic finished fourth. Unofficially 6-2 in a show photo between numbers 8 and 9. Bob's top selection, number 6, Our Pretty Woman, getting the job done in her debut for the team of Steve Asmussen and Corey Lannery. Yeah, Martinez Joy sure was tough in there. It's a three-year-old filly by American Pharaoh out of a Frankel mare, uh, trained by Hugh Robertson, who added Lasix for the first time. And she came from way, way back at Laurel, first time out when she was trained by Graham Motion. Uh, showed a new dimension today. I kind of eliminated her when the race came off the turf, uh, but boy, was she tough. And uh, But a very uh, confident Corey Lannery uh, kind of guided our pretty one woman around there nicely and uh, took dead aim coming off the turn and found plenty. Uh, so kind of an exciting filly to watch here. I mean, you couldn't really have much better pedigree 
than this. This is Medallia Dior out of a Spatestown mayor, so pretty exciting prospect going forward for the undefeated now, our pretty woman. All right, unofficially 6289 probably will not be able to get you the prices for the ninth at Fairgrounds, but those are the or- that's the order of finish for the ninth race. Bob, as we came out of our last break, we heard the stretch run of the Busanda Stakes this past weekend at Aqueduct. Brad Cox trainee Jin Jin coming from just off the pace to win by just about a length. Interesting note about Jin Jin. It sounds like they're thinking about skipping all of the races in February and March and pointing for the early April gazelle for her next start. And then if things go well in the gazelle, going to the Kentucky Oaks. Yeah, no, I mean, she's pretty nice. I mean, she was thoroughly professional in that race. Um, Brad Cox is definitely on a roll up there. Of course, he had drum roll, please uh, win the Jerome the previous weekend. Um, So his horses are really firing up there, but uh, no, she looked good in doing so. And, uh, they, they might, that sounds like it could be lofty ambitions based on what she's done so far, but, uh, who knows? They must really like her. It's either that, or maybe they go with the theory that, look, she got a few points toward the Kentucky Oaks by winning the Busanda. Uh, if she's not, if she doesn't run a really good race the month or five weeks before the Kentucky Oaks, then we probably wouldn't run a run there anyway. So, why overcook her till then? We'll run her in the gazelle. If she runs first or second in the gazelle, uh, she should have enough points to get into the Kentucky Oaks field, and we probably know that we have a serious contender. And if she doesn't run very well in the gazelle, then she probably doesn't prolong in the Oaks anyway. Yeah, I think that's pretty logical thinking, and I'm sure that uh, the Bradcox uh, barn and, and particularly these owners, Gold Square, uh, veteran. Uh, oh, actually, no, they don't. They, they're the ones that own Drum Roll, please. I'm not really sure who owns Jin Jin off the top it's of my Cal- head. It's Calumet. But, uh, Calumet owns her. Okay, Calumet. It's Calumet Homebred, right? Yeah, by Hightail. So, yeah, no, exciting pros- prospect for them. And, uh, yeah, of course, anything uh, that she can accomplishment, accomplish as a running advertisement for uh, their stallion there. So, again, she's thoroughly professional and, uh, you know, I think obviously showed uh, that she likes a wet track just fine. So, again, pretty cool prospect for a deep, deep stable in uh, the Brad Cox barn. All right. Uh, as I mentioned, no Oaklawn and no Turfway this weekend. So in lieu of the stakes that were supposed to take place at Oaklawn and Turfway, we're going to add an extra stake from Santa Anita into our weekend stakes preview tomorrow night. These Astra stakes that takes place Sunday at Santa Anita will take the place. So we'll still have 12 races we're going to look at tomorrow night cool. on the weekend stakes preview. That's going to wrap it up today on the First Bet Racing Show for our producer, Lee Delapina, my co-host, Bob Nastanovich. I'm Bobby Newman. Thank you so much for joining in. Stick around. Coming up next is the call-in show. All callers get a free 2024 racing calendar. Phone lines are open. 888-966-4776. That's 888-966-HRRN. The call-in show starts in three minutes.